Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 20. It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Or I like the King James verse, says the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning God's kingdom is within your reach. Repent, change the way you think, and believe the good news. Verse 16, as Jesus walked, right after Jesus preached his first sermon, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were in the business of fishing. Verse 17, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Verse 18, at once they left their nets and followed Jesus. When Jesus had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets to go fishing. Without delay, Jesus called the brothers, and they left their father Zebedee and his uh, fishing business with all the hired men and followed Jesus. I want to speak to you on the sub subject, wear your PJs, wear your PJs. Wear your PJs and wear your PJs. One's a question and one is a request. Um, I love pajamas, PJs. These are my favorite PJs. These are my favorite PJs. Now, obviously, these, they're now called loungewear. They're now called loungewear. And uh, I know some of you may still wear the matching pajamas, and so, in fact, some of you may still actually wear the booties, uh, but we won't let that secret out. Uh, but uh, I like these because they're soft. They are almost like a fleece material, and they're comfortable. There's something about pajamas that make you feel of comfort and make you feel it's time to rest. Praise the Lord. Don't rest in service right now. Wait till you get home. But, but I, I, these are my favorite. And, and you may say, well, where is this, where is this going? About oh, where are your PJs? I want you to look at this text, and it is interesting that when Jesus, and you may not have noticed this, but after Jesus preached his first sermon, are you with me? The first thing he did after he preached his first sermon was to join a small group. First thing Jesus did was to join a small group. 
What is a small group? I got this definition from a famous author named Oheni Asare. <laughs> but I love this definition. It was so good. I said, where did you get it from? And he said, actually, that came from me. So I said, I'm going to give you credit. A small group is an intentional. Can you say the word intentional? And regular. Can you say regular? Good. Gathering of people, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus says, I'll be in the midst of them. There are two or three people, or there are people who are regularly gathered who focus, can you say focus? They focus on making spiritual progress together. Again, a small group is an intentional, regular gathering of people who focus on making spiritual progress together. They're focused on making spiritual progress together. I want you to look at this picture on the screen. This is one of my favorite pictures. This is a small group. It's actually called our TBQ. That is our teenage Bible quiz team. And a bunch of teenagers. And I like this group because there's such diversity. There's white, there's black, there's Asian. And, and they have come together for spiritual progress. They memorize scriptures. What I like about this is that, as you can see, one of the guys is being held up and he's smiling and it, it, they look like they're having a good time. But the thing I want you to picture is that there are times when maybe the person who needs to be held up isn't smiling. And, and I want to challenge you about being involved in a small group. Because the bottom line is this. I like what China Cleveland once said, and she said it this way. She said, we can learn in isolation, but we can only grow in community. You cannot grow as an individual without community. How do I know that? I'll say it this way. For example, I'll, I'll talk about me. Tell the person he's talking about himself. Okay, man, okay, okay. I never knew how selfish I was until I got married. See, some of you all think you're wonderful givers, but wait if the Lord should bless you to get married. You'll be wondering if it was a blessing. I discovered that you even find out how more selfish you are when you have children. Mm. Mm. Do, I do I buy a new, oh, those are sharp. I like those sneakers. Do you buy a new pair of sneakers or do you buy Baby food. No, no, no. Some of you say, well, yeah, yeah. now you may say, what's the big de deal? But that, I'm telling you, that's where you'll find out how selfish you are. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God bless you who are single parents because you don't get the option like those of us who are married. No, no, I'm just going to look at the clock. Because first when the baby comes, and I'm quite sure we have a few people in our congregation who just had a child, and at first like, oh, and, you know, and the baby, you know, cries at midnight or one, two o'clock in the morning, eh, oh, yeah, 
and then, but after a while, two or three months straight, all of a sudden, you stop faking like you're sleeping. And you bump your spouse. You find out how much you're willing to sacrifice. I want to tell you that Jesus had three people in his small group. He had Peter, James, and John. He had, those were his PJs, one P and two J's. Peter, Simon Peter, James, and John. And I want to let you know that every small group needs to have at least these three people. Or else, let me tell you, you will not grow. You will not grow. See, just because you memorize a bunch of scriptures doesn't mean you're growing. That is the trick of the devil, to, think, to make you think that because you know a lot of scriptures, because you pray a long time, that that means you're growing. No, your growth is determined by how you affect people. Because in the final analysis, God is not going to be impressed with you taking the Bible to heaven. The only thing that, that, that God values going to heaven is people. Turn your name and say, he's talking about you right now. <laughs> Jesus was so close to these three men that these are the only three disciples who he gave nicknames to. Peter's nickname, or Simon's nickname, was Peter, better known as The Rock. He was before Dwayne Johnson. He was The Rock. And then he had, he had some rough riders that he said, you dudes, uh, don't mess with these brothers. In fact, I'm going to call you the, thun the sons of thunder. James and John, they were, they were some bad boys. Some bad boys. You look at Jesus' wrong way, and they're like, call fire upon them. Burn them up in the name of, oh, anyways. Get him saved first, then burn him up. <laughs> there are three things that a good small group does. This, 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 as you can see, I'm wearing this T-shirt because this is a day that we want to encourage you to join a small group. We have made a, a decision, and um, uh, one of our Board of Trustee members is, uh, is Pastor Rob Hilton of Calvary Church, and he's going to be speaking in October. But he said, he, he, he said this term that really struck me, because as we're growing as a congregation, the more we grow, the more difficult it is for us to have that personal touch. And so he said this about, uh, about his church and where, and where big churches are going. He said this word. He said, you can either do, you can either be a church that does small groups, meaning, yeah, this is a nice thing to do, or be a church of small groups. We are determined to be a church of small groups, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But there are three things that you should be getting or that occurs in a small group. Number one, everybody track with me? Number one, a small group believes in you. A small group consists of people who believe in you. In Mark chapter 5, there's a scene where uh, Jairus, who was a leader of, the, of a synagogue, uh, his 12-year-old daughter is, has, has, was sick and then she died. 
Jesus shows up with his disciples and he says, as, as, as you can imagine, people are weeping, people are just hysterical in, in, their, in their grief and Jesus shows up and says, hey guys, calm down. She's not dead, she's sleeping. And of course, they, they laugh with such sarcasm that Jesus said, I got to get you doubters out of the house. So Jesus, wow, Jesus bends everybody out of the house except the parents and Peter, James, and John. And my point is, is that you have to become a part of a small group because small groups are people who believe in you. You need people who believe in you. You need people who can say to you when you're ready to throw in a towel, yes, you can do it. You need people who will tell you, don't quit. I believe in you. I'll fast for you. I'll invest in you. That's what you need. The second thing a small group does is there are people who, who will celebrate your greatest moments. Mark chapter 9, Jesus ascends up to a high mountain. And at the top of it, he is transfigured. He's changed into the most glorious being he could be on the earth prior to his death and resurrection. He's there with Moses and Elijah. And the only ones up there who saw him were Peter, James, and John. What am I saying? I'm saying you need people in your life who will celebrate your greatest accomplishments without being jealous. Because there's something in all of us who like to say, wow, I want to tell you what God did for me, but you know there's some people you can't tell because they'll be hating on you. I want people, I want people that when I tell them something, they do cartwheels on my behalf. Come on, folks. Have you ever told somebody, guess what's happened? And they go, oh, that's nice. (laughs) No, I want you to go over the top in celebration with me. I have people who tell me certain things. They said, no, I can't tell anybody this because they're going to start saying, well, why did God do that for you? And so, so, Are you the type of person that people, that you have a group that you can bring good news to and they will, they will celebrate with you. They will, they will, come here, honey. Okay. I was going to do it with Chandler, but it looked kind of weird with a guy uh, uh, because guys don't do this. But sometimes, you know, you hear good news, you're like, yay, yay. Guys don't do that though. But that's what you want. You want people to cheer. When you graduate, cheer when you get a promotion, cheer when you, when you get engaged, cheer, you know, your girlfriend, you're like, ooh, check out, oh, look what he gave me. Ah! You don't want somebody, oh, look what he gave me. Mm-hmm. 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 I wonder if he's even saved. You can't share good news with everybody. But you need people in your life 
who you can share good news with. Of course, the other thing is a small group, a good small group is there for you at your most challenging seasons, at your lowest moments. The Bible says that Jesus asked Peter, James, and John to go with him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I believe uh, was, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, it means the oil press. You need to be with people who will be with you when you're under tremendous pressure. You need to be with people who will weep with you when you weep. As I share with you many times, <laughs> no, this it's not a joke, it's actually the truth. <laughs> One of my deacons came up to me and said, Bishop, uh, I don't want you to do my funeral. I want Elder Roy to do my funeral. And they said, because I need somebody who's going to cry when I pass away. <laughs> I always say that Elder Roy is, has more, far more of a pastoral heart than I do, and that's why he's had a pastoral care. But, but I mean, I'll, no, I'll, I'll shed a tear or two, you know. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll show some grief. I'll wear black, but if, you're, if, if you want Jeremiah weeping and wailing, uh, that's, no, that's just not my lane. Uh, <laughs> But you need people who, who, who will be with you at your lowest moments. It's interesting. I was listening to a, a pastor, uh, Larry Stetwell. He used to be pastor of Bethany Church, huge church in Louisiana. He spoke at a lead conference this past week, and he said something that I never realized before. Because I, if I, I like probably you, you know, when we read the book of Job, and Job's three friends came to him, they get a bad rap. No, they, and what I didn't realize is that when Job was in trouble, his friends came. Now, what I, I believe he didn't call those friends. They heard that their friend Job was in trouble and they showed up. But this is what struck me. They showed up, they saw their friend Job, and they sat with him for a week and said nothing. Sometimes when you, you are so broken that you don't want any scriptures, you don't want anybody talking to yakety yak. Jesus, you no, know, the Bible says, and you no, know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes. Sometimes you just need somebody who's just going to be present. Sometimes we as individuals, we need, as we have learned many times with our training in Jesus, wonderful counselors, sometimes when I'm sitting with somebody, I need to ask the Lord, Father, should I say anything? Instead of jumping into bishop mode, pastor mode, because the people are expecting me to say something. Maybe God is saying, you know what? Your presence alone will bring a soothing anointing. Don't say anything. Turn to somebody and say, he's trying to help you. Too many of us 
allow the devil or circumstances to pressure us to do something that God is not telling us to do. Oh, yes. A good small group, a good small group will, once again, they will, they, they, they will believe in you. They will be with you in your greatest moments. They will be with you with your, in your most challenging seasons. I want to talk to you about three. This is my final point. I want to talk to you about three reasons why you need a small group. Three reasons why you need a small group. And, and I'm, and I'm going to use uh, Peter, James, and John as, as three different reasons that you and I need small groups. Are you with me so far? And, 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 and this is for some of you because I text, I, I've talked to two people already. And because some of you, you don't simply need to be in a small group. Some of you really need to lead a small group. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you may be too comfortable. It, some of you, it's time to lead. And some of you may be, well, I don't know. I, I don't know how I lead. How I lead. And, and see, sometimes you need to be thrown into the fire and you will find out what's in you that you don't know what was in you until you had the responsibility. You know how I learned how to preach? Now, I went to, I, I did take a, a seminary class on how to preach, and, and I, I did very good. But the point is, is that I didn't, I didn't learn how to preach by taking that course, Introduction to Preaching. I learned how to preach in Sunday school. What do you mean? In, try, in trying to impress Lady Common, she wasn't Lady Common back then. She wasn't even Common Green back then. She was Common Elaine Selman. And I was liking her. And I remember the Sunday school superintendent said, we need somebody to teach boys the, between the ages of 8 and 12. And I was like, I'm not feeling trying to teach boys. You know boys. <laughs> I'm talking about boys. They ain't trying to hear the Bible. Jesus loves us. They ain't trying to hear that. I remember the superintendent asked me, Brian, could you teach these boys from eight, age 8 to 12? And I was saying no, and all of a sudden Kyle was like, come on, Brian, you can do it. <laughs> and I, I, found, I found a yes coming out of my mouth. <laughs> yes! Yes for you! <laughs> and then I'm sitting with these 10 rascals. <laughs> And I was like, oh, Jesus. But I realized, looking back, the Lord was saying, I'm training you. Because if you can hold the attention of boys 8 to 12, you can hold the attention of anybody. You have no idea what God is throwing you into because he's preparing you. So let me tell you about three things, three reasons why you need a small group. Number one, Peter's real name was Simon, which means listen. You need to belong to a small group because you need people who will listen to you. I'm not talking about just simply hear what you have to say, but sometimes listen to your heart. 
You need people who who will just hear your story, hear your brokenness, hear hear what hear what's weighing heavily on your heart, so they can say, "I I hear what you're saying between the lines. Let me pray for you." As I was meditating on this, God said, "You know what? But you also need people in your life. Watch this." who will help you to listen to the voice of God. No, man, this is a good one. Because sometimes, sometimes you're just not in the place to hear God. Can I talk about me? Say yes. I remember, I'm a pastor. So I can't even say like long time ago when I was just becoming saved. I remember a pastor, another pastor, did something that got me so angry that I wrote an email that had everything in it. I came like this close to the edge of what I could write as a Christian. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you're like, you're like, no. I'm going to say enough to let you know how angry I am, but not enough to lose my job, okay, as a pastor. And so I remember, I mean, that, that letter was hot. And thank God, I'm going to give you some advice. Thank God I had a friend who I said, could you read this before I press send? And I remember they said to me, Brian, you cannot send that letter and here's why and through that person's words I could hear the voice of God saying no who helps you hear the voice of God some of you hang around with people who aren't helping you in fact they'll say let me add a few spicy words for you don't Yeah, you have a right to feel like you don't need somebody to help you. (laughs) I mean, you're you're already driving in the wrong direction at 80 miles an hour. You You don't need somebody else to put their foot over your foot on the gas and say, go faster. Who helps you hear the voice of God? Who who helps you when you say, I think God told me to do this, and they say, you're crazy. And I mean, you're crazy, meaning like, no, you're crazy. Who gets, who, mm, who has veto power in your life? Who is it that when you're running, doing a dash, that they, that they at least have the ability to say, slow down, stop. Who gets to press pause? In your, now, you may keep going, but who gets to press pause in your life? And some of you, the reason why you're getting so much trouble all the time is because you don't have somebody who helps you hear the voice of God, who, whose opinion you can trust and say, you know, this is, what, this is the decision I'm making. What do you think? Because sometimes, oh, this is a good word, sometimes it's easy to decide between bad and good, but it can be tough to decide between good and great. 
Oh, let me preach. I know I'm talking to somebody. The highest paying job offer may not be the God offer. You need somebody who will at least say to you, did you pray about this? And somebody who knows you well enough that when you say I did, they can say, no, you didn't. <laughs> Am I preaching? Come on. Give me, thank you. Can I get over? Can, I, can, I, can, some, can somebody say you better preach, pastor? Look at this girlfriend. This is my girlfriend. This is the will of God. No, she ain't, boy. <laughs> yes, she is. She goes to church. Just because she goes to church doesn't mean she is saved. Just like just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a mechanic. You better preach Bishop Green. You need someone in your life to say, you're crazy. And at least you'll listen. Mm. Then you need a James. James is the Greek name for the Hebrew name Jacob. James and Jacob are the same name. Just like Jesus is the Greek name of the Hebrew name Joshua, same name. And it means supplanter. Supplanter means to take the place of another, to replace to displace. Now, what, what do you mean? Meaning that when you, when you get into a school, are you, feel, are you following me? You're taking the place of somebody who was in that class. Unless you're in a startup business, when you apply for a job, you're probably taking the place of somebody else. My point is, you need to be in a group of people who will not let you settle for where you are. You need, to be, you need to have people in your life who will push you. You need people in your life who will say to you, you are too comfortable. You are too talented to be staying where you are. You need to move up and replace somebody. This church we replaced another congregation. And my point is, is that who is in your life who will push you, who will challenge you to move up higher? I remember years ago when I first started my job at, at 22, I, 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 saw a, I saw a picture and it was a cartoon and it said this, you cannot fly with the eagles if you're hanging around with turkeys. Maybe the reason why some of you haven't taken flight is because you're hanging around with turkeys. Here's a deep question. Ooh, here's a, here's a, here's a deep statement. And I've heard this before, but I remember a few, few about a year ago, to, uh, Brother DeMond had an announcement. He said this. He said this, and, and it's true. Show me your five closest friends, and I'll show you where you're heading. Uh, let me put it this way. Association brings assimilation. 
who you associate with, you're going to act similar to. So if you're wondering, if you're wondering where you are, look around and see who you're hanging with. I know your quietness means you're listening. A good small group helps you hear God. A good small group will push you to become all that Jesus has called you to become, to, to be like the Apostle Paul. Uh, uh, I, I, I press, Philippians chapter 3, I press towards the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And, and Paul said, as he ends that particular phrase, he said, and all who are mature are pressing to become or, or to find out or to attain the reason for which Jesus saved us. My final point is, and this is a this is a deep one. John, you need the name John means God is gracious. We need people in our lives who will give us grace. We need people in our lives who who will give us favor. We need people of our lives who, even when we act crazy, they're not going to think anything different of us because they love us. We need small groups because small groups should provide, watch this, safe harbor. This has only happened to me once in my entire, I I would have been pastoring 25 years next year, been in ministry over 30 years, and I've never had this happen. I was in a small group with pastors. Are you with me so far? And one pastor, he was so angry at his congregation. They were driving him crazy that In the midst of our small group meeting, he dropped an F-bomb. And it wasn't faith. (laughs) And you know when something happens, the first thing you do is look to somebody you know and say, "Did, did I just? And then they have the look like, you can see now, okay, so I did hear what I heard. So after, no, I steadied myself. I'm not expect. I mean, we're in, we're in, we're in, we're in church. I mean, it was, it wasn't in the main sanctuary, but we were still in church. And I remember, as I remembered that, my response was just to listen. You may say, you should have said, how dare you swear in the name of Jesus, come out. No, my God. I actually, and don't try this at home. I actually felt good. This is it. Man, you felt good that he swore in church? No, I felt good that he felt safe enough 
to let down his guard and let out how he really felt because he knew that I would not think anything different of him. Because it's better for him to do that than to hear what happened two weeks ago where a pastor buried a woman in the morning and then committed suicide in the afternoon. Megatrist left three kids. Why? Because of the pressure and he had no group that he could join that would give him grace. You're the guy who's supposed to have all the answers. How can you be depressed? You're the guy who's supposed to have all the answers. How? Surely you don't get angry. Surely you don't get angry enough to punch somebody out. And before you start judging, it would be interesting to see what would happen if the Holy Spirit put a put a put a Holy Ghost cam in your car? When someone cut you off, or uh, now you got to worry about the bikes and and pedestrians. I want a pedestrian walks across the street and looks at you like, I dare you to hit me. <laughs> Can I get a witness? I'm, I'm just, you, you, all, you, all, you all are my psychiatrists and I'm in the bench, I'm just letting this out. You know, sometimes, can I, can I just divert just for a minute? Just, just, just let this out. Sometimes I feel like saying, you know what, let me see how close I can clip them. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, you know. I, I just want to, just, just to, just to let them know, you don't know who you're doing this to. Can, can I preach this? Can I preach this? And I'm saying that for those of you who are like, you know, I would, that would never happen to me. Holy, holy, Adonai, I lift you high. You're not always Adonai. Mm-hmm. And turn to somebody said, the preacher is preaching. The preacher is preaching. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You need somebody who's going to give you grace. You need somebody who's just going to say to you, I know you're angry, but I'm not going to think anything different of you. In the book that I recommended to you um, last week by Samuel Chan, New Thinking, New Future, this is my final point, and then we'll pray. New Thinking, New Future. Uh, Dr. Chan in chapter 3 tells a story of, of him and uh, another uh, colleague. They were in, in uh, South Africa. And the colleague was looking for a pair of shoes. He finally sees the shoes in the display, but the sign says 
the shop is closed, meaning that I guess they got there five minutes late. The shop is closed. So they knock, you know, bangs on the window, gets the person's attention. And he says, open up. Could you open up? I want to see these shoes. Open up. I want so the person comes to the door, opens it up, and says, what, you like to see some shoes? Yes, could I see these shoes? So she says, sure, come in. And she sh and he's checking out all these different, can I, can I try those? Can I try those? Can I try those? And this woman is cheerful. The shop is closed, but she's cheerful. And Dr. Chan, because he was one time, uh, selected one of the top um, 25 Christian training leaders in the country. So he has a, 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 a sixth sense when we got to leadership. And he says to the woman, can I, can, I, can I make a statement? Can I ask you a question? She says, sure. And he says, you're the owner of this store, aren't you? And she said, yes. How did you know? Because if she was just an employee, if she was one of you all, they'd be knocking on the door. You're like, la la do 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 do, la la do. Hey, let me in. Do 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 do. But because she owned the store. She was flexible enough, watch this, to remain open. When you're in a small group, you're not an employee. You're an owner. What does that mean? That means when my brother, Emmy, is struggling, I'm not just a good buddy. I take ownership. I am my brother's keeper. As an owner, I notice when my brother's missing. If you don't notice when people are missing, you're just a church attender. You need to join a small group so that people will know and notice when you're missing and they'll go after you and vice versa. Do you attend any group or any church, if you're not a member of this church, where you are at least consistent enough in your attendance to notice when somebody is missing? So I ask you the question, where are your PJs? Where's your PJs? And when you find your small group, 
wear them.